0: time is limited time is very valuable that's for sure but managing it and prioritizing it where you know on certain days you're looking at certain types of properties for certain clients or and then save time
1: are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one you're in the right place welcome to where should i invest real estate investing in canada with your host sarah larby
2: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest with Sarah Larby. I am happy to have you back this week. And you know what, I was actually about to go to bed super early (laughs) because I wake up really early as well. And I realized, oh crap, I gotta do the podcast intro. And I try to keep my intros closest to the release date as possible just to make them relevant and give you guys an update on what's happening and if you are listening to this on a friday i've recorded the intro today is wednesday literally i was lying in bed i'm like i'm getting to go to bed at like 8 30 and then i realized i needed to send my intro so it could get added into the whole episode so here it is and uh otherwise we might have missed <laughs> we might have missed a podcast release on fridays and i try to release them every friday just to keep it consistent for everybody to know when they're coming out but there's some really cool things going on actually i've been uh, super busy with the right club we also have another podcast for but we are launching a whole online community actually that should be ready to go in november but we've got tons of great networking events as well that we are doing so we're like super busy planning for those and we've got a really cool one november 2nd and that's actually called real people doing real shit and we're going to have a bunch of awesome investors that have scaled their portfolio to some really incredible numbers and just doing different strategies. So if you are interested in attending that or any of our evening events, feel free to go on the website therightclub.com, check out the calendar's events and if you're listening to this and you are in the Ontario, Southern Ontario area and you haven't been to an event yet, send me an email and let me know and i will add you as my complimentary guest for your first time a couple other things i'm about to launch my burr group coaching which starts at the end of october so if you guys are interested there's a few spots left for that and the details on the group course which is going to be a mix of in person actually in the field as well and also on Zoom, um, it's going to go up until from October to February. So we're going to really dive deep into the whole Burr process. And I'd like to keep these groups fairly small just so that everybody can get some individualized attention. But if you are interested, you can send me an email about that or take a look. It's on the website with the details, which um, my website, as you guys know, is sarahlarby.com. And there's a tab there that says BRRRR, B-R-R-R, there's four R's because by... Renovates, rent refinance and you don't want to make sure that you repeat it right? so you recycle that money but if you guys are interested feel free to join that one and I may do another one again in the spring but they're pretty intensive so I only want like a handful of students but also to make sure that I also have time to do everything else in the podcast I can't be doing them all the time either but anyways guys with that said I'm super excited about that course it's uh it's going to be great hands-on experience on the whole burr strategy and the whole burr process. And my guest today on the show, Brian Fitzgerald, he is also into burring and he has been doing that for the last six years in the Hamilton and Niagara area. Super excited for you guys to hear Brian's story and, uh, and he's shared some really good tips and, and strategies as well. So Thank you for listening and tuning in and, uh, you know, thank you because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. And I will say those that have messaged me or emailed me or messaged me on Instagram as an example, letting me know that they're listening to the podcast, I want to say that is awesome and I really do appreciate you guys reaching out because these do take a long time and I'm not complaining at all other than the fact that I got out of bed and realized I needed to do this intro. But other than that, they're, they're super fun, but it's really rewarding to hear that you guys are enjoying them as well and that you are getting some value from that too because that is the goal and there's tons of deals out there, there's tons of money out there, believe it or not, there's enough to go around for all of us to be able to get into the game. And so if you are out there and you haven't started yet, um, you know, let me know if you need some some help. And I'd be happy to give you some uh, some direction and some guidance. But uh, on that note, guys, thank you for listening. And uh, let's get on with the show. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. How are you?
0: Good. Thanks. How are you?
2: Good, good. I'm super excited to have you on the show for our audience. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: My name is Brian Fitzgerald. I am a full-time firefighter and have been for just over 15 years. Investing-wise, because I think that's the theme of your show, I started out watching those uh, HGTV shows and where they flip the house in 30 minutes. I did a flip in six months. It was a little bit longer. <laughs> and then um, kind of started that way, and then my agent at the time encouraged me to get my license and thought to myself, I'm like, well, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot there by getting rid of one of your clients. And then sure enough, I got my license, did a, another flip with a friend, and then took those profits, bought my first rental back in, I think it's like 2013 or so. And uh, just a little, little house detached in Hamilton. And I didn't think uh, it would go from 130000 to 330000 in just a few years. And in that time, I, I bought a couple other places and uh, leveraged that property and bought our last duplex and uh yeah that's that's the gist
2: very cool so how many properties then are you holding right now
0: we're sitting at six properties right now uh seven counting our principal so duplexes single families and a recreational property which is kind of our our cottage but we rented it we just cut wind of a a cottage across the lake from ours which we kind of likes that catches the nighttime sun so be kind of cool if you could just go across the lake to another cottage
2: <laughs> that actually is is really interesting so now are all your properties in Hamilton St. Catharines area? no
0: Hamilton St. Catharines, and uh, the cottage is up uh, north of Napanee
2: ah so, very yeah. cool yeah it's funny you, so part of your story a little bit reminds me of myself because we just bought a cottage as well and we're renting it on Airbnb and awesome. you now it's uh, I would have never thought I had it I would own a cottage at my age <laughs>
0: I, you know what? I was just saying that same thing to a friend of mine. I said, you know, I plan to buy a cottage when I retire somewhere around 50 or something like that and ended up having a cottage at 30. So to do something 20 years early, I think is it's a little pat on my back.
2: That's very cool. How did you buy the cottage? Was it from uh, a property you refinanced or how did you purchase it?
0: That was the down payment that we had kind of saved looking at potentially buying another property. And then I went out kind of that way, looking for land, looking for something that I could afford because Muskoka and Coral Lakes are, are pretty pricey. So I just kind of went on MLS. I think this was before I was a realtor. And I uh, went on MLS and just kept zooming out, zooming out, zooming out until I could see a red dot somewhere and headed toward Kingston. And we, we planned on, on buying a land on land. But well, we found out that uh, actually buying the existing property allows you to technically be closer to the water. Otherwise, you'd have to build 100 feet back on, land, on new land. We wanted something to uh, be grandfathered in. That basically was my first joint venture partnership with my brother-in-law and his wife. And that was basically the money was going to go to another rental, but instead we decided to treat ourselves a little bit.
2: Very cool. Now, when you're renting it on Airbnb, you know what does this look like in high season in terms of uh, how much rent it can generate?
0: Well, right now we just do rental by word of mouth. We're not right on the Airbnb just yet. We want to go that way, but the place needs a little bit more, like we've done a fair amount of work to it, but it just needs a little bit more to be more turnkey. Whereas now it's like, I'm not saying you have to kick the hot water tank to turn on or anything like that, but there's a few things that uh, you know only as the owners would know to kind of keep things running. So we need to do a little bit more investing in that property in order to get on Airbnb. But for just kind of friends and family, we're renting it out really cheap for about 800 bucks a week, which nobody seems to turn down. It's good money. It helps yeah. pay for those renovations, but I feel like if we went to Airbnb we'd probably be somewhere around 1200 bucks a week, 1300 bucks a week.
2: Yeah, and that's actually a, like that's a very fair price for sure. I th- I think well, in high season, uh, mine rents for 500 a night. Wow. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's awesome. kind of...
0: yours is in Lakefield?
2: It is in Lakefield. In Lakefield, yeah.
0: right. Nice. It's a yeah. nice area up there.
2: It is. It's uh, right on the water and uh, we actually put in about 40, 50 grand of work. <laughs> so,
0: wow. Okay. Nice. That's awesome.
2: Ready. But, uh, so I actually have a question, you know, my sister was texting me the other day and she's like, Sarah, you should be a realtor. Have you ever thought about that? I'm like, yes, I have. I've looked at all the pros and cons and there's a lot of cons as an investor. And I wanted to, <laughs> and so let's talk about that. Like, well, like how did you decide to become a realtor? And like, how did you weigh the pros and cons? And what are they?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. I feel like a lot of times there's a lot of cons, but uh, it really started out for me. I wanted the information. Uh, it wasn't a case of like finding the deals. It was a case of me texting or calling my agent saying, how did this, you know, what did this house sell for? What do you think this is going to go for? Should I buy this place? And, it's, and instead of him looking it up, it was something I was thinking about for maybe two years. And then he just kind of gave me the kick in the pants to kind of get, get to it. And then that was basically it. And then I realized, wow, I've got this information, but the information costs me money every month with Rico Canadian real estate or like just fees, fees from everywhere. So then I realized, okay, I got to start making some money in order to justify this. And then I realized, you know what, there is a bit of money to be made, but I learned really fast that don't expect your phone to ring unless you put in the work, like you, you have to put in the work in order for it to, to actually work for you. And I mean, I'm fortunate enough to have a full-time salary with, with firefighting that allows me not to put, or sorry, that job allows me to put food on my table. And I don't rely on sales, thankfully, because I'm not the kind of guy that can sell ice to an Eskimo or anything like that. (laughs) So I'm thankful for that. But the cons are, it's, it's a lot of work. You can't expect to for things just to be handed to you, you can't expect people to just hand over their $500,000 house as their, as your first sale, you know, the, and, and looking back now with a little bit more uh, clarity, I, I understand that now and now I'm more experienced, but the cons are, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work if, if you want to be successful. And I think there's a lot of people that see the commissions, which can be nice, but they don't come flying in unless you put the work in.
2: Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals and Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors and Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome Dylan and thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single-family purchases, and the list goes on.
2: That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go?
1: They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at the right club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well.
2: Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. Right. And it's all of the paperwork and the back end stuff, you know, and I was... So I put in this offer on the Sixplex with my realtor. unfortunately the the Sixplex um, failed inspection miserably, so and we couldn't negotiate the price low enough. But and I was telling her, I'm like, you know we so we saw this place and we we bought it, and we said, okay, let's throw in an offer." and then we went to see it. And uh, there's a lot of people out there, <laughs> non investors, a lot of people looking for themselves, and they might be asking their realtor to go and see like fifty plus properties before they even make an offer on something. And I just think about that. I'm like, if this was my job and I was driving someone around for 50 plus properties, maybe to find something, then when you do find something, then there's still a lot of things in the background and then <coughs> you may not even close on it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so there's like costs for fuel, there's time costs, there's, you know, all the, the phone calls, the back and forth with the sellers, like the realtor, that's the seller's realtor there's like, there's so much stuff that I don't even think I even know the half of it, all the half of the paperwork that you got to do. And then if they have to do any, any digging into anything for their customers, like it's hours and hours.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely more work than I anticipated. I mean, in the end, I, for the most part, I work with a lot of buyers. Like if somebody wants me to sell their house, you know, I'm happy to do so. And I usually do it at a, discounted commission just to kind of help them save some money but I typically work with motivated buyers so don't get me wrong there's there's some that I've spent looking at 50 houses without one offer and you just want to shoot yourself but the thing is you take the good with the bad you know there's there's good ones there's bad ones and then more often than not I'm I'm really honest and I'll just I'll talk to them I'll be like listen we've shown you 50 houses what is not working here like let's reevaluate and see if we can uh, come out on, on the other end a little bit better.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the other con and, and correct me if I'm wrong, cause I am not a realtor. The other con I, I have an issue with, not only is it, you know, you're working when everyone is off weekends and evenings and I do that for, for coaching and stuff like that, which I don't mind. But I think the concern I have is like, let's just say you find an amazing off market deal on Kijiji or something like Are you, so you signed whatever, I guess they make you sign saying that you're going to offer fair prices. Are you limited? Like if you find a great off market deal on Kijiji or a motivated seller to like have to give them fair value.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, and you probably can attest to this too. The best deals usually end up when everybody ends up happy. Right. And there are off market deals. Like Right now, I'm, there's two clients that come to mind that have been looking for a while. Nothing's coming up. So I just went out literally and just posted something on Facebook. Is anybody selling this type of house in this area? And sure enough, I got a couple of replies. And they were thinking about selling in a few months. I said, listen, I just, I'm just i working for my clients. I just want to put something together. What do you guys want to get? What do they want to pay? And if we have to, for me to put the, the deal together, I can save the sellers some money, get the price reduced a little bit, you know, for, for my buyers. And then everybody ends up happy. And then usually it ends up where referrals come from that, because in the end, I'm just trying to put deals together for my clients. I don't want, I don't want them looking for, through 50 houses, not just for my sake, but for their own sake. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's uh, it, it gets a little discouraging after a while, especially in certain markets like Hamilton, where a couple a few years ago, 350,000 was that mark where everybody was buying now you can't really get anything for 350,000 now they have to spend half a million and you feel bad like i'm sorry you have to spend half a million to get a house that you'll actually like right so you you want to eliminate as many of those challenges for them as you can and if if finding an off market deal is what has to happen then i'm willing to do that
2: Okay. All right. That's good. So you're you're a firefighter. You're you know a realtor. You're an investor. How do you find time to coordinate with <laughs> your schedule? <laughs> I
0: feel like that's the question I get asked a lot. That's a great. It's a, it's a good question. I don't know. Sometimes I will run on a little sleep. A wife who is very understanding and takes care because we have a, a two year old as well, and so that takes up time. And I don't want to miss those times, but. I do a lot of running around when he's in school <laughs> to a couple days a week. And then we're actually renovating our house that we just bought a few months ago. So, and I do a lot of the renovations myself. So time is limited. Time is very valuable. That's for sure. But managing it and prioritizing it where, you know, on certain days you're looking at certain types of properties for certain clients or, and then save time. Sometimes family time is going out and looking at potential properties to buy for ourselves. And then if the deal is not good one way or the other, maybe we pass it off to a client or maybe we're looking for a client. But my little guy comes with me a fair amount, looks at houses. I think maybe he'll, uh, he might be in construction one day. I don't know. I'm, we'll see.
2: It's never too early to start. <laughs>
0: no, it's not. It's not. So, but uh, yeah, it, juggling time is is challenging. And that's why I was kind of picking your brain before we started recording about a VA uh, yes. like a virtual system. But I'm going to have to look into something like that because if I can alleviate who knows an hour a day or a few hours a week i think that would that would make a big difference for me
2: absolutely i am so big on delegating like if i can de- delegate my, everything i probably would yeah. i mean there are obviously some things you can't delegate like the stuff that you have your knowledge for that you need to to use but you know yeah. editing of the podcast i definitely don't do that anymore and you know <laughs> my va jim erwin he goes by both names he does a great job with Good. all of that and i definitely would say that it saved me tons of time and the ability to even launch and continue the podcast on a weekly basis. Because in the beginning, I was barely doing one a month. <laughs> it was yeah, very sporadic. No,
0: yeah, I understand. And you don't have children? Do you have any children? No. Just wait till you throw one of those in the <laughs> oh God. Oh, Goodbye man. time. Goodbye oh, time. Man.
2: So, so you've got the seven properties, or you have got the cottage plus the your your house that you live in. How long does it take you to manage your portfolio on a given month?
0: Sometimes it's, it's pretty, pretty easy. It kind of, uh, kind of runs itself. I'd say maybe for the most part, attributed putting good tenants into good properties. Like I don't, I typically favor higher end properties. I'm not talking like marble countertops, but nice properties put in young, good families and they take care of the places. So I don't hear too much from them, but otherwise it's a, it's just a few hours a month at most worst case scenario, if something needs to get done, most of the time I'll do the work myself because I'm fairly handy that way. But I even now, and in, in speaking to delegation, I'm starting to just make phone calls to plumbers and say, just go fix this, please. Yeah, just running out of time. So but yeah, I'd say a few hours a month, at, at, at most right now, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less.
2: And I'm glad that you've mentioned that too, because for somebody starting out, they might say, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm working full time and I've got kids and like, I have no idea how I'm going to manage a portfolio. But like you said it right, if you put the right tenants in place and literally you've got the ability to make some calls or send some texts or emails, your plumber goes for you, your electrician goes for you, your handyman goes for you. Like there is, you know, there's really no, unless you want to do it cause you're handy. I am not handy. I would actually probably make the property worse. <laughs> so maybe it's a blessing in disguise that like I can't do any of that <laughs> it, might,
0: it might be it might be but I've started weighing out like let's say they call me and they, they say the vanity in the bathroom is leaking I drive there you know maybe this one is is local it's 15 minutes away okay I figured out what parts I need now I go to Home Depot I get those parts knowing me I forgot one part somewhere in there. So back to Home Depot, I go, and then I go back and I spend, I don't know, maybe an hour fixing it. Who knows what I spent, maybe a hundred bucks in materials and time and labor, and I can pay a plumber 200 bucks to go and do it. And then I just, I don't, I don't leave my home or I don't leave my son or I don't leave my job or whatever has to happen. Right. So it's, it's definitely, there's a shift right now in, in uh, managing my time better and delegating.
2: That's it. So what's next for you? Like, what's your next goal?
0: Great question. Depends if we, we end up looking at the other cottage across the lake. That'll be a new project because that'll require some work, which is okay. okay. Doing work near the lake is not so bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's the beers that slow you down a little bit. Um, <laughs> but what's next is is uh, more joint ventures. Right now, as an agent as and as an investor, I have no problems finding the properties that require a little bit of work anywhere from some $20,000 up to bigger projects of over a hundred thousand dollars, but still turning them into cash flowing properties. And so that's my goal is to find that, that investor partner with the capital and that maybe wants to be more hands off and just lets me kind of get things running. And that's probably the plan for me. Maybe a couple of BRRRR strategies as well. It's It's been done before and I like it, but in order to kind of keep moving forward, I think, uh, I'll be delegating some more work to my contractor
1: where should i invest with your host sarah larvey we'll be right back
2: hey guys i just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because i wanted to introduce you to dahlia barsoom of streetwise mortgages i am a big believer as you guys probably have heard Work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to, A, understand why it was creeping up like that, and B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she works with many, many investors. And she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders and dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives but i've got nine properties now and i'm still able to get financing with a lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall and so she's been a tremendous help so the other thing i really really enjoy is dahlia also does a free goals analysis so if you go to either my website or her website streetwisemortgages.com mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis it was a game changer for me and it allowed me to actually understand what i needed to do how many properties i was going to get because of the cash flow that i was looking for if you guys wanted to reach out to dahlia you can reach out to her by email which is info at streetwisemortgages.com or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com and then just go to the contact section and you can also call her at 1-800-208-6255. Thanks for listening and back to the
1: show. Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey.
2: All right. All right. Good, good. Now, the properties that you have, are they with joint ventures or do you own them outright? Fully? No, they're
0: all, they're all mine. The only joint ventures are, are cottage with family. But uh, joint ventures definitely do have their perks when it costs to renovate, comes to renovations, sharing those costs when you need to. So yeah, there'll definitely be more joint ventures down the road.
2: Do you have an idea of like how you want them to be split? Cause I mean, joint <clears throat> ventures can be split in many, many different ways and different people can bring different things to the table. What's your ideal situation or scenario?
0: Well, first, if you'd asked me that question maybe a year ago, I would have said, you know, like uh, let's, let's split the cash flow. If they want to put all the capital and I manage the contractors and everything, I used to think maybe about 25% for me and then 75 for them. But having spoken with a few other like-minded investors who are kind of doing that strategy where they're taking people who want to be typically hands-off, but they just want to be capital investors, I'm finding that a 50-50 split is not ridiculous anymore. And I'm starting to see why because it's a case of me potentially finding those deals and making it happen, having the contacts to make the project come to fruition and to actually become a healthy and cash flowing property to managing the property and managing the tenants. Now, when I look at it, I'm like, you know what, 50-50 split is really not that bad because I used to think the person putting in the capital should be getting you a know, majority of, of the equity and the cash flow. I'm seeing it now that it's actually not a bad gig if you're just putting forward a capital and I'm turning you a 10, 20, 30 percent return on your investment in a short period of time. So, but I'm not a greedy person. I just I want to. There's so many projects out there and and people are think that there's no deals out there, but maybe that's where my experience in contracting and, and renovations kind of shows through is that i see these properties and i, and I can walk through and say there's thirty thousand dollars worth of work here and i anticipate somewhere between seven and eight hundred dollars a month cash flow let's buy it i want the person that says okay let's buy it.
2: <laughs> you so know where, that
0: person do you know that person <laughs>
2: essentially where yeah. are you looking for these deals your next deals
0: for the most part i do like hamilton is always still really really healthy like obviously the prices are climbing but I've kind of crunched the numbers. That my purchase price, the last purchase price, was at 390, and that property is cash flowing 941 dollars a month. And so I've kind of done the rough calculations that even if I purchase that property at 500,000, it's still a healthy cash flow. So I still see another hundred thousand dollars. In, in prices that can still be a pretty solid investment. So I'm liking Hamilton. I like St. Catharines and, and Welland is Welland is easy for uh, legal second suite conversions. St. Catharines is a little more sticky with the maximum of 650 square feet. And then Hamilton is, uh, they're, they're willing to work with you on these projects. So it's nice that way. So those three areas are, are kind of where I specialize in.
2: Yeah, I like those three areas too. So, can we go back to this property that you said was three ninety and nine hundred dollars cash flow? Like, what is it? Is it a student rental? Like, why? Like, what makes the cash flow nine hundred? And how do you calculate that cash flow for you? I mean, everyone has different. So story.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cash flow, the determination of cash flow varies from person to person. We bought it three ninety. It was a legal duplex that needed about twenty thousand dollars worth of work. If you'd paid a contractor, it would have probably been about fifty thousand, but I did, I'd say 90% of the work myself. I don't touch electrical. It's the only thing I don't touch. And then the upstairs unit is paying $1,700 a month and the lower unit is paying $1,300 a month. Um, and I think the mortgage is somewhere around 1300 bucks plus insurance and everything. So comes out to about 900 I think it's 941. My wife's starting to crunch the numbers for me now because I've I'm never used elsewhere. So she's concerned to tell me what's worth what.
2: Nice. Now, do you factor in like CapEx allocations, maintenance? How do you like, do you add anything for that vacancies?
0: No, not really. Because I feel like that's kind of just part of the, the bank account that kind of takes a little bit of a hit if there is a vacancy. I don't really, I keep things really simple. And I basically look at what the mortgage is going to cost me. I uh, estimate insurance, you know, relatively accurately and then obviously taxes and then I see what I can get for rents. Like I'm I'm very simple when it comes to it um and I estimate usually within about 100 dollars of what the cash flow will be. So I don't analyze the return on investments. I don't check too many I don't make it too difficult. I just do basic numbers. I'd say my spreadsheet has about three or four lines. And then it says at the bottom, I say yay or nay.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, everyone diff- does it differently. I like to add yeah. some little bit of allocation. Usually I do like 4% of gross rents for CapEx, 4% of gross rents for maintenance. I add a little bit for vacancy, et cetera. But you right. know, it depends on how conservative, I guess somebody wants to be versus not be. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I feel like there's, there, I worked with so many investors that are, are happy and, and and they should be where they have a cash flow of two or $300 a month. And to me, that's great. I, I feel like investing in real estate, if, even if you bought 10 properties and you're neutral, by the time you retire, you have 10 properties that are probably close to paid off and worth a, a massive chunk of change. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be neutral, but if I see the opportunity to have a healthy cash flow, that allows me to make the uh, improvements to that property that I need to, like uh, this one that's the nine hundred and change cash flow. We're gonna have to put a new roof on uh, in the next few weeks, so that's gonna be a few grand for sure. I don't think I'll be doing that job this time. Roofing is
2: no, no more roofing
0: for me. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a case of just basic numbers. Um, there's a mortgage app on my phone i'm sure you're looking at i love the mortgage
2: app the mortgage app and the evaluator app are my favorite
0: actually i got the i got the evaluator app from you when you mentioned it i think it's at the investor form
2: yeah they're they're awesome for the mortgage app like it's a little bit more simple but like in the expense section i just add this stuff manually and then just put in the 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 big number with the maintenance and and stuff
0: yeah like you said, the mortgage app is more simple. that's this guy,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what, and now I think about it, I'm like my cash flow like my cash flow probably is more than what I actually say it is, but I add those contingencies in there personally it's just it gets just to the personal yeah, and that's
0: and that's and that's totally fine right like i I understand why you do it, and i I commend you for that. It's just, for me, it's just, we need to keep this simple before, before I say yes or no or we move on to the next property.
2: All good. All good. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like every month I've got like something small, like nothing big, but like, I feel like the appliances (laughs) every like three months, there's like something like a washer, dryer, fridge, (laughs) stove. There There is
0: only something.
2: cheap on Kijiji though.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, the thing is, you're going to deal with those types of things. But again, that comes for me. I'm a bit, big advocate of putting good tenants in there. Yeah. And I think at first, when my wife started getting a little more involved in the real estate side, she'd be saying like, you know, that lower unit, it's two months, you still haven't found anybody. And I'm like, Well, I just haven't found the right person yet. Mm-hmm. And then more often than not, uh, it takes time to find the right people, but I, they're now in there for... A couple almost two years now and I haven't heard anything the washer took a dump on the floor one day and they, he's a mechanic so he fixed it for me and just let me know that he fixed it thank you very much like mm-hmm. take care of the property and they treat treat it like a home and actually the funny thing is is that it can really work for you when it comes to an appraisal depending on how they keep the property can make a difference on what your appraisals coming in and I just had an appraisal on that one recently And so, like I said, I bought it for 390 and it just got appraised at 475 and I've almost done nothing to the place except for that 20 grand into the lower unit, but they keep it immaculate. It looks like a beautiful, like it looks beautiful inside both, both units. So, you know, the appraiser walks in and says, wow, this is a really nice place. This is now worth that much more.
2: Perfect. And that was, you bought last year. Yes. Yeah. So think about that, like in your job. I'm not, I yeah. don't know how much you make as a firefighter, et cetera, but I like, get it. It's going to be really hard to save that kind of money from an income.
0: <laughs> oh, For sure. For sure. And like, I always go back to like my first property, that Hamilton property for 130,000, nothing special, just a nice little clean home. And uh, that one helped us buy another property with 20% down, it helped buy a new SUV for my wife because we had a child on the way at the time. And so, you know, like I couldn't save that much money if I tried, right? So like what other <laughs> investment can turn around and give you that much money back?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the leverageability of it too, is like 20% for a whole house. The bank's going to cover 80%. <laughs>
0: exactly. <Sure. laughs> and now I'm hearing, like I was talking to a client of mine and he said, there's now a hundred percent loan to value options out there. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> that could be, that could be a challenge.
2: But anyways. Yeah. Absolutely cool. Okay, so the the next part of this podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions, and you're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready?
0: I'm I'm good. Go
2: for it. All right, Brian. Question number one was your favorite real estate investing book ever?
0: Oh, I know everybody says Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's a good one. There's another one, Millionaire Agent. I like that one as well.
2: Gary uh, Keller.
0: Yeah, and what's the one I just? I just downloaded, it. I'm gonna to listen to it because I've just heard rave reviews. Winning friends, influencing people. No. Influencing
2: Yes, you know the one I'm talking How about. to win friends and influence? That's the people one by thank you. Dale Carnegie. I believe it's Dale Carnegie.
0: You're right. You're right. That's right. So book. thank you for answering. Help me <laughs> answer <that question.
2: laughs> All right. Question number two. What is your favorite podcast?
0: There's a lot of really good ones. Obviously, there's the uh, that girl, Sarah Larby. She's all right. Um, breakthrough guys are awesome. Like I really like Sandy and Rob. Yeah. Those are probably in Irwin's truth, uh, truth about real estate investing in Canada. Uh, Like actually Irwin's one was what motivated me to kind of start my own. And then, uh, there's just, there's a lot of them out there now, but I always enjoy the content. It's a case of finding the time to listen to all the good content. So you got to kind of pick and choose. I I look at the titles and I try and find which one's going to motivate me more that day. (laughs) Now you've got it.
2: You mentioned you have a podcast. What is the name of yours?
0: It's the Real Estate Investors Lounge.
2: I call it, or the
0: real podcast, whichever you want to call it. But.
2: The real podcast on iTunes.
0: Correct, yep. Awesome, yeah.
2: It's good. Awesome. Yeah. Question number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate?
0: Go to the cottage, play on the boat, swim in the lake, have some beers, have some steaks with friends. I actually do like buying houses. I like looking at houses with investors. That, that's not... I'm not just saying that I actually do like looking
2: doesn't feel like work. That's amazing. Good. 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 Do you have a smoker at the cottage?
0: A smoker? Like somebody who smokes cigarettes? No. (laughs) So we bought the
2: smoker and you can smoke your meat. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah, We have
0: have two actually. We have a pellet one and a uh, charcoal not a charcoal, like a wood chip one. What is is it called? Anyways? Yes. We have a smoker and they're really, really delicious.
2: All right. Invite me next time. (laughs) All right. Question number four, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again?
0: I would start with real estate again. I would probably just go right back into it. I would do whatever I can to take my expertise and my experience to convince somebody to join venture with me. And I'd I'd do it again for sure. But that's not going to happen, Sarah. It's not gonna happen.
2: (laughs) All right, question number five. If somebody has $50,000 and they wanna get started, how would you recommend that they spend it?
0: In order to maximize that $50,000, I would definitely be pushing them towards a a duplex uh, at least. I think that single family homes are the prices versus what the rents are and the net cash flow are getting more and more difficult. I think you have to start looking at minimum of duplexes now, unless you're in some other market that is out of the golden horseshoe, like Sudbury. Sudbury is right. great. Like I have a who's uh, doing really well up there with single families and duplexes because it's still really cheap up there, but uh, that's too far for me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. So where can listeners find you if they wanted to reach out and know more about you?
0: Um, they can go to my website, which is Brian uh, BrianFitzgerald.ca. Um my property management website is uh fitzgeraldpm.ca and the podcast is at the rei lounge.ca.
2: All right. And then all
0: the social media stuff is somewhere in there. I have to get my VA on that.
2: <laughs> there you go. Hire a VA next goal, right? Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> any last words of advice or anything else you would like to let the listeners know?
0: Hard work is is the biggest factor in whatever I do um, and it's usually when I feel my best. When it comes to real estate investing, though, I have not come across any other tool or um, any other form of investment that can do what it can. And um, I always joke that I, you know, I say I drank the Kool-Aid, but I, I 100% believe that this is the avenue for a lot of people to improve their lifestyle if they want to or set themselves up for the future. Or set up their children for the future. I do a few little videos online about tenant relationships and stuff. But one of my latest ones that seems to be kind of popular was talking about um, my son who is two. When he reaches 20, what our house prices going to be worth. I'll have him set up for the future so he can at least get a head start in life.
2: Very yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's about it. Good, good. Well, thank you, Brian, for being on the show. It was great to talk to you, and I'm looking forward to connecting in person. And uh,
0: yeah, When are the right thing. we right clubs uh, starting up again. Should yes.
2: Uh, well, we have that. We basically have them every single month, and then we just take July and August off. Just right. Have cottages that they go to. Yep. So. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. See you in September. Absolutely. Thanks very much, and thanks All for right. the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Sarah. Appreciate it. Take care.
2: Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that.